0: COVID is on the rise. Get all employees tested today at BP Healthcare. Be sure they can continue to work safely. BP Healthcare, the largest COVID-19 screening provider in the country. With more than a million PCR tests done, you can put all your fears to rest. On-site screening is also available. For more info, visit bphealthcare.com. Protect your employees, protect your businesses. This is a download from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and this is MSP. How do I feel after an episode of Matt Splained? I usually feel a little dirty, depressed, like the world is about to end and I can't wait for it to happen. Thankfully, in lockdown, I can send someone a smiley face emoji and they'll never know the truth. Until now. Uh, Matt Armitage emerges from the murky world of emotion-sensing AI. Matt, I'm, I'm not so sure I know how I feel about machines Knowing how I feel?
1: Hey, Rich. Well, you know, I guess the easy answer to that complicated question is that really you don't need to know because the machine can send you an update and let you know how you really feel. It can tell you if you're (laughs) hungry or you're thirsty or you're happy or you're sad. We don't have to take any responsibility for how we feel ourselves anymore. We can let machines get on with all that complicated thinking, while we devote ourselves to our social media feeds full time.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure, like most of our listeners right now, I am hoping Matt is joking. Um, but but what's the truth underlying these uh, apocalyptic kind of pronouncements?
1: I never joke. Um, no, some <laughs> of you may remember a story we covered for one of our Sciences Slick episodes about a month back. Uh, It was an expression monitoring system that can detect your expressions when you wear cameras that are mounted on the side of your head. Yeah. So you mentioned the emojis. That's one of the purposes the team behind it at uh, I think Cornell had in mind that you could insert live action emojis that are based on your actual facial expressions. Now, mine would permanently be on frown or probably devil horns, I guess. But it can also potentially be used to do things like animating CGI. And of course, there's that potential for it to be used in interrogation type scenarios to detect your micro expressions. But rather Mm. than being a one-off, it's part of this greater story about the accelerating applications of AI, not just in relation to our emotions, but in every aspect of life.
0: That point you made in the past about AI creating AI.
1: Yeah, and just a, a quick digression on that subject from something I found this week at Technology Review. And this is the slightly bizarre but very useful story that an AI can now summarize the progress that we're making on AI. This is a, a new tool called Semantic Scholar that has been created by the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence, which is known by the delightful acronym. AI2. It's a search engine for scientific papers that's designed to give a one-sentence summary of the contents. I guess you could think of it as a kind of hyper-concise blinkist for scientists.
0: So like a too-long-didn't-read product, a TLDR.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. And that's precisely how AI2 is positioning it. So we imagine that scientists are poring over every word of every study that comes out in their field. The reality is, you know, they're only people. They're as time poor as the rest of us are. And they probably Mm. want to spend their free time getting their head into the latest Alex Vera's tale or Brandon Sanderson opus as the rest of us do. And let's face it, we're all deluged by so much information and content now that when we read something from a writer who might lack a little flavour or character, it can be really difficult to force yourself to the end, even if it contains the most mind-blowing information in the world. So Semantic Mm. Scholar cuts through all of that and provides you with an executive summary that theoretically makes it easier to decide which papers to read.
0: Can you just explain why this is so groundbreaking. I mean, machines have been creating extractive summaries for a while now.
1: Yeah, so that process of extractive summaries, that's something uh, that I have to do with clients as well. Although the machine that I'm using looks back at me in the mirror most
0: mornings. (laughs) Only most mornings.
1: Well, you know, often I'm phase shifting, so I can be more of a a flicker than a reflection. But those extractive summaries do what they say. They try and identify key points in the text and remove and repackage them. And that has largely been a product of the limitations of natural language processing systems up until now. So they're essentially looking for keywords and sentences and extracting them. AI2 system is quite different. It's abstractive. It's using the latest advances in NLP to read and actually understand the paper. So rather than summarizing it with a few sentences and then copy and pasting from the report, it's actually creating a summary. It's writing its own text based on what it's learned from reading it. So on average, the current system takes a 5,000 odd word paper and condenses it down to about 21 words. As a human being who has and does do this, it's really, really tough to take a complicated subject and condense it down to something that concise. And it takes Mm. a really long time. You know, you cut something to maybe 100, 150 words, and it's just chop, chop, chop until you have something that you think encapsulates those core goals or aims of the content and doesn't miss the most important things out. And, you know, this is one of the reasons that I do these shows, because it gives me the rare opportunity to be as long winded in public as I am in private. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, but how does that bring us to the area of emotions?
1: Well, two reasons. You know, we have this tendency to imagine a role for things. And what I mean by that is uh, this straitjacket that we often place on technology. We mm. don't always connect the dots from one area or application to another. And that's really important because the machines doing those tasks aren't aware of or don't understand or recognize the categorizations that we place around them. It might Mm. not make sense for us that a summarizing tool might help you to detect emotion because we're asking the question, what do these two things have in common? We're focusing on the end result rather than the programming, the system that enables it to be possible
0: so in this case it 's about the uh, it's about that ability to comprehend
1: well yeah, thank you i mean that 's my second point it's about that ability to understand language and tone because these are all things that we do automatically so for example, uh, an extractive machine would simply translate me saying. What a handsome, intelligent man Richard is. It wouldn't detect the notes of sarcasm in my voice and tone. So what we're talking about is a new generation of AI-powered. Well, you know, to call them machines is slightly misleading in that most of us think of a machine as a physical presence that we can see or touch. These Hmm. systems are mostly a virtual presence, so they're virtual machines that piggyback or ride on technologies that we're already using, like smartphones or camera-equipped devices, and some of these are going to be private, they're going to be things that we own, and some of them are going to be in the, the public domain.
0: So this is that transition from abstractive to effective technology.
1: Well, it's still abstractive, or at least some parts of it are. You know, it's still about that knowledge gap between what the technology is and what we think it is. So, you take a lot of the conspiracy theories about the voting machines and potential fraud in the recent US presidential election. A lot of those theories are based on simple observations that misunderstand how the technology works. There's Mm. this idea that because our own devices connect to the cloud and they dump data into massive centralised systems, that every machine must do that thing, overlooking the fact that those machines, those voting machines, are limited and localised to make tallying at that micro level, at that regional level, straightforward and accurate, and that they tally with the paper copy of those ballots that are held in that same location. But it's also about our belief that machine intelligence is one thing rather than a collection of things, that a company like Facebook may be using thousands of different algorithms in various aspects of what we see as a unified site. So we have this idea that Facebook's AI is this HAL 9000 or Red Queen-like supercomputer with Mark Zuckerberg's hologram face floating above it. Well, It may be that one day, but what we're talking about with these systems right now is the ability to create these bridge technologies effectively, harnessing developments in lots of different areas, and that these products will allow us to link those different areas together.
0: So, how are these systems likely to be positioned or present? Um, Are we talking about government-type surveillance with video cameras on every corner, or is this something that's being pushed as a uh, consumer
1: product? Well, we'll go deeper into the nuts and bolts of it after the break. Obviously, both routes are possible. We have to take that surveillance aspect very seriously. For people who live in authoritarian states, that aspect of what a person might be thinking and how they present themselves publicly may be very different. And these tools may be one way for intrusive governments and companies to get more insight on whether or not we fully back that regime but these tools may also be very assistive they may enhance our own ability to understand what's going on in a room so you remember a a few weeks back i used the example of artificial intelligence djs that might be able to detect the mood on a dance floor with more precision and speed than a a human dj by analyzing Mm -hmm. the faces of the, the people in the crowd so this is one of those applications but at a more basic level this is the kind of technology that is already being rolled out in wearable devices, especially as we place more emphasis on our, our mood, stress management, and of course, mental health.
0: Right now, I'm just glad that he doesn't have a range of Culture Pop branded fitness trackers. And when we come back, more of the scary emotional side of Matt Armitage. You're listening to BFM with me, Rich Bradbury, and Matt Armitage, of course, from Culture Pop, here on BFM 89.9.
1: Billions from me BFM 89.9 The Business Station
0: BFM 89.9 The Business Station I'm Rich Bradbury This is MSP we're getting emotional here on uh, Splained. No, we're not teaching Matt some humanity, but other machines do seem to be learning to embrace it. You mentioned the term effective computing earlier. What, what exactly do we, do we mean when we say that?
1: It really encompasses the machine world's big three, you know, that perfection standard that allowed the human survivors to detect the first few generation of Terminators that were trying to pass as people. So those three things are essentially being able to recognize, to understand or interpret, and finally to simulate human emotions. So we've seen with most of the humanoid robots and even the AIs trying to pass as human online, we're still a long way from realistically simulating those emotions. Mm -hmm. But we do seem to be at the point where machines can recognise our emotions and we are making some headway with that second as well, which is interpreting those emotions. And there are a lot of competing systems out there. Uh, A couple of companies in the UK, uh, Effectiva and Realize, they work mostly with algorithms that process video and analyze the emotions on the faces of participants uh, in those videos. Another behavioral systems in the US uses voice analysis to gain insights.
0: So before we dive into them, what kind of context are we talking here? Cameras that are tracking people in public or listening in on your phone calls?
1: It's not quite so obtrusive. So Effectiva and Realize do a lot of marketing analysis. For example, they might work with a brand or an ad agency to gauge what the impact of a marketing campaign might be on a group of test subjects. So it's really an extension and a fine tuning of the focus group model. Mm. Behavioral systems voice-based approach makes it suitable for Telesales, customer service, technical support, that kind of thing. Incidentally, if you want to know a little bit more detail than I'll give you on today's show, check out an article at The New Scientist entitled Emotion Detecting AIs Are Here, written by Chris Baniuk. But there's, you know, there, there are a lot of potential surveillance issues here, which we'll talk a little bit about. But there's also a lot of potential and one of the examples uh, that I'll give you in a minute, it can help us with remote working and speaking over video links by giving us a reading of the audience, the kind of thing that we would do naturally if we were speaking to people in person, but which is much harder to pick up on over a video feed.
0: Uh, you mentioned behavioural systems. How does a voice based system process those sounds and detect our emotions?
1: Uh, I like your approach. This is a radio show, so let's go for the audio system. Mm. Uh, You know, according to new scientists, they track various aspects of speech, including the pitch, the volume, the rhythm, intonation, that kind of thing. So it's not a transcription service. It's focused very much on how a customer or client is saying something. Now, one of the interesting effects of that is that it can detect callers who are angry and divert them to team members who are trained in de-escalation techniques and can calm customers who need a bit more soothing and TLC. Mm. So it can be used as well to assess the quality of a call. So, for example, if a caller commits to paying off their credit card tomorrow or this week, for example. It gives you an idea whether they mean it, whether they're likely to do it, or whether they're simply agreeing to get you off the phone. It's not a lie detector exactly, but it is potentially a behavior predictor. Do they believe in that thing they're saying? Mm. So similarly, one of the areas the company hopes will be a success for them is the field of mental health. They're working to create a model that can determine if, or how likely someone is to attempt suicide from analysing that tone of voice. That would make it a useful tool for mental health professionals when they're doing face-to-face work, uh, crisis hotline, and, of course, emergency service staff.
0: So I I guess the the broader question here then, uh, especially with video-based tools, is whether this is real or junk science.
1: Well, that's a, a valid point. You know, there's a lot of debate amongst behaviorists and psychologists about whether emotion recognition is actually possible. A 20th century psychologist, a guy called Paul Ekman, came up with a widely used scale of facial expressions that correlate with what he identified as seven different emotional states so it's known as the facial action coding system it covers uh, anger fear disgust happiness sadness surprise and contempt wow i use remarkably few of those Mm -hmm. Uh, skilled practitioners have been uh, shown to be around 75 percent successful at determining someone's state of mind from their facial expressions but other psychologists argue that what is seen on our faces is generally fleeting expressions that might not correlate with your overall state of mind. For example, frowning at a piece of discarded litter, it might appear that you're angry, but that momentary flash might not actually affect your overall mood, which could be happy or sad or any number of other things. And some of the systems devising these emotional intelligence systems are using that same facial action coding system.
0: So presumably it comes down to uh, accuracy.
1: Yeah, but it can be hard to assess how accurate these systems are because, as is often the case with proprietary algorithms, companies tend to view them as intellectual property. They don't want to share them. So New scientists reported uh, that uh, a, a study at the RMIT University in Melbourne concluded that the voice recognition systems it studied were accurate roughly 60% of the time. Now, that's perhaps no great shakes if it's a question of whether someone is going to make a repayment on time. But that's pretty important if you're using that system to flag the risk of suicide or self-harm. So it does come back to that idea of context. If you're not looking any deeper than how someone reacts to an ad campaign, then it's those immediate fleeting responses that you're going to be interested in. So in those instances, the approach would seem to work pretty well.
0: Okay. um, are there any more consumer based users for this technology? Uh, You mentioned wearables just before the break.
1: Yeah, and so those that we've talked about are mostly business focused solutions uh, car makers are taking a lead with these technologies apparently toyota is working on a prototype using emotion ai the idea is that the systems monitor the driver they can look for signs of tiredness or preoccupation it looks for things like how often you're blinking tracks what and where your eyes are looking uh, are you using your phone uh, obviously on hands-free or perhaps even illegally looking at the device while driving. So as we get closer to that day where cars are at least semi-autonomous, These cues could be used for the system to take over control of the car from the human driver, Mm. or it could be used to send the driver an alert or a warning. So if it seems like you're dropping off, it could turn up the volume on the stereo. It could change the temperature of the aircon in the car. So there is a lot of potential for this kind of effective system within our cars.
0: Uh, You mentioned uh, video conferencing as well.
1: Well, there's a bunch of Emotion AI tools being developed specifically in the area of uh, video conferencing. So I just uh, signed up for a service called Headroom. They're currently running a private beta. I'm hoping they're going to let me in soon. Uh, At the one end, it has a souped up version of the transcription services that you get in things like Google Meet, Mm. you get a real-time feed, but at the end of the meeting, it will use contextual natural language processing, a bit like the scholar example we mentioned before, to prepare you a summary with keywords and main points, all of which will be searchable and you can cross-reference. For me, that's enough already. I don't like taking notes in meetings because I like to concentrate on listening to Mm -hmm. what people are saying. So I find when I'm writing things down, I'm missing things. And very often, if you rely on the notes that someone else is taking, you find that they're not framed in a way that's useful for you. So like I said, this is already a, a killer feature for me. But what I really like about the system is that there's a performative aspect to it, too. It gives you periodic updates on the mood of the room so that you know how engaged people are and it allows you to change up your style if you're the one speaking. But it also takes note of those smiles or head nods or frowns. And it amplifies them in real time on your screen so that you can take more accurate temperature checks. And it also records those emotional responses as emojis within the notes. So you have a record of whether Steve supported you in the meeting and is now going to the boss to try to stab you in the back.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's typically paranoid of you.
1: Well, I'm just trying to get into the office politics mindset. You know, I I don't have an actual boss, so I don't really get how it works. But I will report back on it if I do get let into that beta test.
0: So uh, what about the, the wearables?
1: Well, arguably, this is where we're likely to have the most direct contact with emotion AI, uh, that area of effective computing or whatever you want to term it. And that's already here in the shape of Amazon's halo. Now, of course, Amazon has Alexa. Because Malaysia is one of those rare places that Amazon actually has very few of its tentacles It's easy for us to overlook how ubiquitous it is to many people in the countries in which it does operate. Mm -hmm. You know, it sells everything from grommets to milk to, I mean, it sells pretty much anything that you can name. It's launched credit and finance services. It's just entered the uh, health market in the US in a big way. It produces podcasts and TV shows. It is everywhere. And now it's on your wrist in the shape of the halo.
0: Yes. uh, You mentioned Alexa.
1: Well, yes, if you have a voice assistant that can already do everything, of course, you're going to want it to be there on your wrist as well, just as Siri sits happily ignored on my Apple Watch. (laughs) But Amazon's vision is a little different. Just like Alexa, they want you to leave the voice analysis on and the device actually analyzes your tone of voice. It's theoretically designed to help your interpersonal skills. Uh, You don't need to say it. I already know I don't have any. I don't need a machine to tell me that. But, uh, you know, we're running to to the end of the show, I know. So if you want to read a really insightful piece on the Halo, head over to the New York Times where the technology legend uh, Kara Swisher details her first experience with the device, which hilariously tells her off for being overly stern.
0: Should we be scared by devices scooping up so much personal information?
1: Well, that's the million-dollar, or in Amazon's case, I guess, trillion-dollar question. Uh, That's what I meant when I said earlier that these systems are often a convergence of a lot of different technologies. The wearable can tell how you sleep, how often you exercise, how often you stand up and move around. It knows your health statistics, your heart rate. The halo, unlike most fitness wearables actually has no screen so on the one hand you can argue that that makes it less of a distraction it just sits there on your wrist benignly but perhaps you could also argue that it makes it less obvious that it's gathering so much information on you especially that voice aspect which presumably would also be capable of capturing conversations around you and it's designed to integrate really tightly with Amazon's other voice-equipped devices. So you can imagine Amazon or any other company that uses a, a similar approach, and there are a lot of them, uh, that Amazon will really start building this three-dimensional picture about the people using its products. So you started off the episode saying that sometimes these shows, you know, leave you feeling dirty and depressed. Well. I think this is one of those shows
0: thanks Matt that was Matt Splained of course Uh, you can uh, find Matt over on Instagram he's at CulturePop and at Culture Matt you can also head over to culturepop.com where he's got transcripts of the shows and other articles he's written and if you want to use our little app head over to the Google Play Store and download the BFM app there of course we're also on the Apple App Store for BFM 89.9 I'm Rich Bradbury